Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time podcast with Mike and Laurent. Laurent, Mike is not here. Here, here. He is watching American football. It is Friday, December 31st, the last day of 2021. Uh, a terrible year that hopefully will get better. In this episode, United get back on track. My beloved Brighton are back. And I will give my mid-season best 11, best manager, best everything, player of the year, etc. But first, scores. Okay, the scores have been today, today, today. Manchester United defeat Burnley 3-1. Burnley off after 18 days. Manchester United trying to play after a tough game against Newcastle. They were better. Yesterday, my beloved Brighton. Draw 1-1 at Stamford Bridge. Danny Welbeck, you beautiful mank bastard. They get their first goal at Stamford Bridge and their first points. Incredible work for Brighton. They blew Chelsea out of the water. My other beloved Manchester City are also in London all at the same time saying hello to Chelsea. But they beat Brentford at the Community Stadium 1-0. Ho-hum, the less talked about this game, the better. City rested some players. Phil Foden got the goal. Grealish played. Uh, this was a De Bruyne game. Ake played left back. Very weird. But City win to go nine points clear of eight points clear of Chelsea. Nine points clear of Liverpool. Liverpool have a game in hand. Wowie wow. But, but, but we still have more to go. That's where we are right now. 20 games for most teams, 19 for others. I And with City winning their game, we are now in crazy narrative mode about City's buying the league. City's got too much money. Uh, Tuchel and Klopp are making excuses. But I don't want to talk about that yet. I will talk about that in one minute. First, 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 here are... Here is my best 11 for the season. And uh, I'm going to jump around. I'm going to go with the traditional 4-4-2. Nothing crazy there. Some players moving around. Some players moving around. I'm going to start with the best player, Mo Salah. Mo Salah is in my best 11. You put him where you want. Doesn't matter to me. Another player in my best 11, Joao Cancelo. Has to be in. The fullbacks are easy. It's Joao Cancelo and Trent Alexander-Arnold. Joao Cancelo is playing something similar to, to left back. I don't know. Trent Alexander-Arnold is the most lethal attacking fullback I've ever seen in my life. He makes Liverpool go. Uh, his defense is bad, but his offense is so good it doesn't matter. Mo Salah is on a 30-goal, 20-assist pace. He won't get that. But he's insane there, out on the wing. On the other outside of the pitch, I thought about Foden, but I like to be a little funky. I'm going to give it to Emmanuel Dennis of Watford. This guy is constantly keeping his team in games. When you watch Watford, they have to be there. He's second in the league in goals. He's in the top tier of players in goals and assists. Now, is he on a good team? No. But I like him. I want to reward him. 
He's going to go to the African Cup of Nations. This might be his only chance. So, respect where respect is due. And Mr. Dennis is going to be on my team uh, at, at this time because he's that good. He'll be heading to the Club World Cup. He is on eight goals and five assists a and way over his expected goal. So he's getting lucky. He's doing well. And I like him. So respect to Mr. Dennis, a young guy, just 23. Uh, who else is in my list? In the midfield where it gets tough, I have one definite. And if you watched, listen to the pod, you know who it is. It's Mr. Connor Gallagher. What a player. What an attacker. What a man. Connor Gallagher in the midfield, for sure. An amazing player. That has to be there. Then I go Bernardo Silva, who's been playing midfield, who's been playing up for, for City. He has been making the team go. He does everything but pass the ball forward. He presses. He attacks. He, score goal, he scores goals. And City are the best team in the league, so they need to have someone uh, represent them up front. Next, I will go with... The other midfield partner. Well, I'm putting Silva up front in the as one of the strikers. Rodri is going to go up in the midfield for City. He's been incredible, making the team tick, controlling the pace, stopping counterattacks. Rodri has now become the Fernandinho that we wanted him to be. Took two years, but Rodri's been incredible. Only, only, only um, City fans will see this. And then partnering up front, I needed to have a Liverpool player. Diego Jota takes that spot uh, just over Ivan Tony, who I love a lot. So here's what I have for the midfield. So out on the, out, I have fullbacks, Cancelo, Arnold. Out on the, the wingers are Salah, Dennis. In the midfield, I have Rodri and Gallagher. Then I have up front is my two, Silva and Jota. I'm bending the rules here, letting Silva be a striker. And then in my central defense pairing, this is where it gets tricky. I'm going to give Chelsea a player because they deserve someone. So Rudiger will go there or Silva. It was between Rudiger or Silva. Um, I'm loath to give the 38-year-old uh, props, but it'll be Thiago Silva, who's old right now. And then the other primary defender after Rudiger in central midfield to complete my group will be. I hate you, Virgil van Dyke. You are fucking good, but you have not been good this year. I'm going to give it to Ruben Diaz, who makes City tick. Without Diaz, City are not the defensive team that they think they are. He allows and creates a platform for City's other defenders to go run like Cancelo and and Rodri, he just is a glue. His numbers and stats aren't there. If you look at all his who scored, he's not really doing too much. But Ruben Diaz, for City fans, he is my guy. So across the back, Arnold, Rudiger, Silva, Cancelo. Across the four in the midfield, Salah on the wing. Rodri in central midfielder, partnered with Gallagher, and then Emmanuel Dennis. And then my upfront partnership is Jota and Silva. Honorable mentions, 
for Ivan Tony, Phil Foden, frankly, Joel Matip at Liverpool, and then in goal for Mike, I will give a shout-out to Hugo Lloris, who's also been great this season. Also, David De Gea, who's basically saving uh, United, but I didn't want to have any United players. So that is my best 11 for the half. Ramsdale, Alexander-Arnold, Rudiger, Diaz, Cancelo, Salah, Rodri, Gallagher, Dennis, Jota, Silva. That's my group. Uh, the player of the season, It's this is the easiest thing I've ever had to do. Mo Salah is the player of the season. He's on 15 goals and nine assists. That's insane. If he got to... If he even if he's if he goes to twenty eight and fifteen, that would be an incredible season. Um, my manager of the season, it has to be Arteta. It has to be. It's either Arteta or Pep. I'm gonna go with Arteta because he took a very listless Arsenal team that had got the doors blown off them, held them together. Have they beat a good team? No, but he's taking on the personalities in the team. And shaping the team in his um, image, I would go Graham Potter because I love him. But uh, I think having Arsenal in the top four, having passed West Ham, we know that David Moyes was the manager of the season last season. But Arsenal with the young group moving up the table now from where they were, dead and buried. Sure, they have six losses, which is as many as more than half the teams in the league. I think Art has done a good job, especially handling Bamiang, getting Lacazette back on side, bringing through Xhaka after he was gone, getting all the young kids to buy in. The Ramsdale purchase looks genius. I thought it was a disaster, but he knew better than I did. That's why these football people do what they do. They see something we don't see. Uh, so I thought that I think that Arteta's had a good half, and uh, we'll see where he ends up um, with the rest of the season. My signing for the season, signing for the season, while it's just a loan, it's Connor Gallagher or Saw uh, or Saw at um at Wolves, the goalkeeper there, who's been incredible in keeping his team. Uh, Jose Saw from Portugal, shocking. Um, he's he's been a great goalkeeper, and these are these sort of side things that you don't really notice, but. Saw's been incredible, and one of the reasons Wolves was terrible last season was, um, oh my God, his expected goals difference is the best in the league. So Saw's been incredible, keeping Wolves at bay. <laughs> uh, no pun intended. I don't know how we treat loans. If it's a straight signing, then it's Saw. If it's a loan signing, then it's Gallagher. Um, worst signing of the season? <sighs> the worst signing of the season that actually plays... I think it's Sancho. It's so disappointing. He's done nothing so far. The team is sputtering. Uh, he didn't play until today. He had a good game. But Jaden Sancho was supposed to be one of the great young players in Europe, and he's done nothing. I think it's maybe because United doesn't have planning, and they probably shouldn't have bought him. But uh, so signing of the season is Jose Saw. Let's just make a ruling of Wolves. Worst signing is Sancho and... Best loan is uh, Gallagher <laughs> because I can't get enough of Gallagher uh, from there. So those are my player of the season, Salah, coach of the year so far, Arteta. Best 11 of 
Arnold, Rudiger, Diaz, Cancelo across the back. A midfield, uh, a forward across the middle of Salah, Rodri, and Gallagher, and Dennis from Watford. And then up top, Bernardo Silva and Diogo Jota. Not a traditional striker uh, with honorable mentions for Tony, uh, Phil Foden, Joel Matip, and Tiago Silva, but they didn't make it. All right. That is my team of the season. I fucking like it. Let's go. Let's go. Next up, the narrative has shifted. Has shifted. City are, like I said, eight points clear. And the same narrative about City's wealth has come flying in. Oh, teams can't compete. Oh, City have ruined the league. Oh, they're eight points clear. This is a disaster. This league has 54 more points to play for. We have the two German coaches in Tuchel and Klopp complaining incessantly about the schedule. Tuchel is off the chain with his complaining. It's out of control now. I think at this point, Tuchel is hurting his team. He's saying things like, we don't have enough players. Um, we have nine players in COVID. We can't do anything. This is Chelsea Football Club. This is a club with the greatest youth setup in the country. Connor Gallagher is a Chelsea player. Um, you could bring him back. They uh, Gilmore is a Chelsea player. They could bring him back. Livermento, they sold for nothing. Lamptey, they sold for nothing. These are players they could use. And that's not to mention... The players that are literally just their under 23s. What is the point, Chelsea, of winning all these fucking youth tournaments and not using them when a once-in-a-generation pandemic comes in? Don't complain. Play your fucking players. So uh, we're getting from Tuchel and Klopp, two German coaches. If you don't know this, I'm going to explain to you. In England is the only league that plays during the Christmas break. Uh, most leagues... Just before Christmas, they play their last game. They come back after the new year. Very normal, non-weird thing to do. Uh, Germany's is even longer. Uh, but in England, not only do they play during the Christmas period, they jam four games in 10 days in. So they play Boxing Day, the 26th. They usually play the 28th and the 29th. And then they play New Year's Day. Uh, and plus another one usually. So it's different. And the German coaches and new coaches just come in and complain. Tuchel is at another level. He is a, a Chelsea coach. Chelsea have not bottled this league. They merely have gone three draws and a, and a loss uh, in the last few weeks. They're fine. They're fine. They're just fucking freaking out, right? Chelsea, last five. Draw, win, draw, draw, and a win. They're okay. They're okay. They need to chill out. They're still, still on about an 84-point pace. The problem is, is City is on another planet. We've taken off. Uh, and the narrative around City is just that we're ruining football. But let me just explain some things to you. Relative to each other. Did City spend money in 2008, 2009, 2012 to, to, to catch up? Yes. Did Chelsea do that in 2004, 2005, and 2006? Yes. Is Liverpool a club that spends money? 
Yes. Are all these teams, Liverpool, Chelsea, West Ham, sorry, not West Ham, Man United, Spurs, do they all spend money? Yes. Relative to each other, it's close together. I found a stat that I shared on the Facebook group about the relative net spend when you take um, transfers into account. So this is wages plus uh, transfer fees. Transfer fees are applied on a season-by-season basis by taking the size of the transfers fee and the year of the contract. So if I do a $100 million transfer and I stretch it out over a five-year contract, I book that transfer fee as $20 million a season. Okay, so not too crazy to understand and get. But here we go. The relative cost of these teams based on that number is the following. So this is the last six years. Uh, 2015, total spend Liverpool, 227. Manchester, you know what? I'm not going to read it out. Just know that it's super fucking close, okay? Between the the five-year average for Liverpool and Manchester City in total cost is 300, 3,226,000,000. Cities is 375, Spurs is 188, Arsenal's is 290, Man United's is 385 million, 385 million, and Chelsea's is 353 million. Yes, Manchester City's is really high. No one's denying that. But the idea that Liverpool, Chelsea, and Man United are are three times less uh, to have five times less money, or City has spent ten times more money, it's ludicrous. It's not true. It's fake. It's it's a lie. So. This, and this information is public. The teams do publish their books for the purposes of financial fair play. I'm not making something up. Did City spend before 2015? Sure, sure. But are there any players on the team from 2015? No. Kevin De Bruyne, maybe. Kevin De Bruyne. Fernandinho. So all those transfer fees are gone, and City are competing in the same space. What does that break the narrative of? Pep Guardiola is a fucking great coach. City have a great team. And that's not to diminish Liverpool and Chelsea, but they're playing on a level playing field. It's the same. The difference is City have Pep, and he has self-selected both the front office between Trigibaristan and Ferran Torres. These are guys he worked with at Barcelona. They have a vision. They have a system. The whole thing is connected. It's all on his personality. And City have the lead they have because they play the best football any team has ever played in England in history. They're on pace for 95 points because they're better than you. Not because of injuries, not because of anything. And the fact is, City and Guardiola and the team itself planned for resting players, planned for rotation. While other teams are running the same guys out there and not getting things in, City developed Foden and developed uh, Cole Palmer. So I don't like this narrative of 2008 of uh, Sheikh Mansour. Those days are gone. This team is self-sustaining, has the best coach in the world, has the best players in the world, and has a fucking eight-point lead and... No complaining from Tuchel or Klopp can change that. Okay? I've had enough. 
I've had enough of the other teams shitting on the accomplishments. When City win this league with 95 points going away and they, they, they win by 15 points, it's not because they outspent and outmaneuvered. It's because they're better. They have the better players who fight for the shirt and fight for points and play the most, the most compelling football anyone's ever seen. Methodical, destructive, powerful football. The narrative around the narrative around Liverpool and the likability of Klopp, I can't control that, right? I can't control Anfield. I can't control for that. But my teams play on the field, Pep controls, and they fucking win. And they're better than your team. And you can be pissed off about it. But frankly, it's the best team in the world, and it's going to win the league again. And I'm tired of Klopp and fucking Tuchel and everyone else complaining and going with a narrative from 20 years ago. 15 years ago. So it's a little bit much around these teams. A little bit much around these teams. In general, the newer, the nouveau riche teams like City and PSG and, and Chelsea to a lesser extent, we have to earn the right to glory and suffer through this. And I get it. We have to suffer through the barbs of you don't, you're not allowed to win. You're not allowed to have glory. And the legacy clubs, call them pre-Premier League powers, Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs to a lesser extent, Man United, Real Madrid around the world, uh, Barcelona around the world, Juve, etc., AC Milan, Inter. The teams that historically have history and have won the Champions League over years, over time, multiple times, etc. They feel as though they have ownership of glory. And it's their teams that can control and be glory hounds. And who do you think you are, Manchester City? Who do you think you are, Chelsea? Who do you think you are, PSG, buying into glory? You're not allowed to have glory. Well, I'm sorry. As far as I know, the rules as they were set up allowed for the wealthy around the world to buy into your club that you did not monetize properly, that you did not protect, that you did not apply um, general business practices about how to run a sports club for money. And we're going to buy our glory. And when we have our championship leagues trophies, and it's three and it's five champion and it's and City wins their fourth league title in five years, you're gonna respect our glory. And over time, fans who see City are gonna associate the Premier League with City. Whether kids, you know, hold on to that, we're playing on a longer timeline. Glory and brand take a long time to develop, especially in football. And it takes a long time for it to decline. Arsenal is on year 20 without winning a title. AC Milan, Inter, well, Inter just won. AC Milan is on 10 years without winning anything and declining. But they're still an important club. We still talk about them. So City will have to continue to win. And they may 
have to be more bold with their branding and, and sign players who are bigger than a club just to get that juice to have their Ronaldo, to have their Messi. Right now, sport is very much about brand, and I think City's goal and ethos has been, if we play beautiful football with the best players who sacrifice for the team, then people have to love us. But people want stories and they want narrative. And so City have to continue to build that and have their moments. They will have their moments. It will happen. You've got to put yourself into the tournaments, into the quarterfinals, into the final weeks of the season, and win big games that everyone watches and create moments. And the more moments you stack on each other, the more famous your club becomes, the more fans you have, the more you grow and earn the right to glory. And so we'll see where City gets to uh, eventually. And we'll get there. And we'll get there. Um, that was kind of a big rant and it's just something you know I feel passionately about with regards to football and how we treat for lack of a better word, the politics of glory. How does that work? Who 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 gets to have trophies? Who gets to decide who's a big club? Um, so that's pretty cool. We're excited about that. We still have more games. I need to pull myself back into the reality of the sport uh, and pull myself back into the reality of, of where we are and get myself back into the narrative. Um, games, we had games. Chelsea won, Brighton won. Uh, just quickly run through this. This was a great performance by Brighton. One of their best of the season. They put 18 shots onto, onto Chelsea. Um, and six on target. And it was this was Basuma just bossing the game. Had so many chances. Uh, Mope had one. McAllister put two on target. Uh, Danny Welbeck only put one on target, and it was the winner in the 95th minute. Lalana had a chance, but this was a battering. Don't let Chelsea fucking pretend that they were in this game. They got battered at home by the great Graham Potter and the wonderful um, uh, Brighton and Hove Albion. Yes, Brighton didn't have a win through two months. <laughs> it was tough. I'll, I'll admit it, but uh, they got their draws and they weren't losing. They just weren't winning. And they really put a performance on, on, on Chelsea. Lukaku, we have to talk about, he, uh, he did score a goal early in the game and maybe that was, it probably was a foul, but you know, he got his goal. But then later on today, he just had a huge rant that's coming out of Italy about how he never wanted to leave Inter and he's having a hard time at Chelsea. I think it's fine. I think, you know, Lukaku will, I think it's a contextual thing where Lukaku really loved Italy and he really loved Inter and there was a big money move to go to Chelsea. But I think Tuchel is difficult to be coached by and Lukaku's got a bit of a brash personality and he probably said a little bit too much. Uh, I think they'll get over it. We'll go through the narrative cycles for all this whole thing, and we'll see where we are there. 
But uh, this is really about Brighton and I think how much money they have in players already. Between Robert Sanchez, the goalkeeper, between Busuma, Tariq Lamptey, and uh, Cucurella, they may already have 150 million pounds in players that they could sell on. And that is what, that's where Brighton is. They've got to find players, sell players, show their worth, sort of take the Brentford model that they were moving players on and go from there. But this kills Chelsea. They've now, you know, they're now on, uh, they're now nine points behind, eight points behind City and really in a hurting there. But, uh, you know, it's not the end of the world. Like I said, the league isn't over, but Chelsea need to right the ship. City are just that fucking good right now. Uh, Chelsea have dropped two, four, six points in their last um, in their last four. So they're sputtering a little bit. Uh, and and that's an XG problem, right? They have an expect they have a goal difference a goal differential of twenty nine with an XG of eighteen XG goal differential. So they were riding their luck most of the season, and that luck is really coming back to roost to the roost. And it's more on the defensive side. They're not shutting people down anymore, uh, especially in the midfield where Basuma, like I said, uh, bossed this game. We go on to City, and City just. Ho hum, blast Brentford away. This is not a vintage performance, and the less thought about this, the better. Uh, Foden and Grealish were back in the side. Uh, Fernandinho was there. Ake played left back. So this was almost like a rest game for City. Uh, massive possession. City just controlled this game. Seventy-six percent possession. Got their goal early, like they always do, and really just kind of did like the Big Brother thing, where you take your kid brother's head and hold him and let him swing. They really just held held Brentford at arm's length and avoided the danger. Um, not There was one shot on target by Wisa and one by Oneka, but, you know, I don't think Ederson had too much to do. Pretty easy game. Uh, City avoided uh, the corners, only gave, up, only gave up three corners to Brentford. So really... Took care of business, made sure everything was fine, controlled the game. They move on, and uh, we play Arsenal in the week on the first, and that should be a good game. There is a really tricky story that just came out. Uh, Jao Cancelo was attacked uh, outside his home by four other players, by four assailants. He fought them off, but they did steal his stuff, and he did suffer some damage to his face. So I would expect that Jao Cancelo, City's player of the season so far, will miss the game. And I'm hoping that it doesn't affect him too much. I remember being a kid and getting bullied or getting beat up. And it does affect you. You you can have bad dreams. You can you can not be in the game. So hopefully um he can put that behind him and maybe maybe playing will be the best thing for him. But a little bit scary that um Jao Cancelo was attacked. Uh, uncomfortable, not great, Bob. But City move, roll on, and the machine rolls on. City eight points clear, and then we go to United. Um, a big game for them. Uh, for, McTominay was fantastic. He scored a goal. His goal for Ronaldo was was on a deflection where he hit the crossbar. Ronaldo put it in. Um, 
scored a goal. Sancho scored a goal off Ben Mee. Uh, the lineup was funky. It was still that 2-2-2-2, but it was uh, Ronaldo and Cavani up front. No Bruno with Sancho and Greenwood. And then the holders were Nemad Nemacic and McTominay. What was nice about that was that it allowed McTominay, who's not a holding midfielder, to play further up the pitch. And he took three shots and got them all on target. He was really good. Uh, I'd say McTominay deserved the goal he got, and he probably should have had an assist on a deflection. But this was better from uh, United. Sancho and Shaw really combined on their side of the wing. That was good. A lot of running beyond. Um, Varane got some more time. Neil, Neil Lennon got a goal. Is it Neil Lennon? Aaron Lennon, excuse me. Aaron Lennon scored a goal for Burnley. It was kind of an open game, especially the first half. Really up and down, kind of fun. Really petered out in the second half with Burnley only taking three more shots. Um, but um, good, good performance for United. They'll take it. For Burnley, this is a bad performance after 18 days off. You would have expected them to be a little bit tighter. Still no Corne for them. And I would have expected them to play a little bit better, show some metal, show some fight against uh, United, especially Burnley's up the road. It's uh, it's not really far away. It's right there. And uh, it's exciting to see uh, t- teams playing. They're still fighting through the, the COVID systems right now. But, you know, we play again. And um, we preview the next round of games. Headliner is City versus Arsenal on New Year's Day. I love it. Um, Tottenham play Watford. Palace versus West Ham should be a good one. Gallagher versus Rice. And on Sunday, the big, big game is the Battle of Wingers. Liverpool versus Chelsea um, at Stamford Bridge. Should be really good. I have to sneeze, so uh, excuse me one second. Um, if I sneeze, I sneeze. Uh, and both coming in limping. Uh, Liverpool off the loss from Leicester. Chelsea off the draw from... from um, Brighton. But it should be interesting... Uh, I guess it, it's a must win if you want to stay in a title race. Uh, this is a game in hand for Liverpool. Or, or I mean, they still are have a game in hand. Liverpool have got to win to, to stay seven points behind City, depending on what City do. If City beat Arsenal, they will be 12 points clear of Liverpool, even with a game in hand. So that pressure, that 2019 season where they both went down the wire, will be back. Um, but City... To lose this would be really hard. Essentially, Liverpool and Chelsea have to go undefeated to win the league, I'd say. Not, well, yeah, 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 almost undefeated. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, what, what can you do? This is what happens. This is why you play. This is why you book your, your games. You go and you try and fucking win games. Uh, but I'll be I'll be up for that game. Uh, for Arsenal versus Manchester City, I will be watching uh, with bated breath Watford versus Tottenham. 
trying to see if the Conte revolution continues. Crystal Palace West Ham, also a must-watch. A big game on Sunday, Newcastle versus Southampton. These are games that Newcastle has to try and win and get points. Uh, Everton, Brighton. Everton haven't played in ages. That might get called off for all I know. Uh, Brighton still flying high. State, I have to go to the north. Burnley versus Leeds. A big six-pointer. You'd expect Leeds to pull this out, but this is a place for Burnley to get points. The relegation battle is a real battle. Uh, Burnley have three games in hand and are in are in a good spot, but they've got to convert those games into points. And then the big one, Sunday afternoon, uh, Chelsea versus Liverpool. It's hard to do by the show by yourself. I miss Mike. Happy New Year, everyone. I love you equally, but different. That was the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast with Mike's, with not Mike Salerno and Laurent Cortines. We are the football wing of the Chop Sports Network. We record on Tuesdays and Fridays, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you are in the UK, I love you. Thank you. Please drop us a line. We know that we're growing with our UK audience. Respect to the game. We love you. Thank you.